Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. RJ Ochoa Show on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. What's going on in Jerry's world? What's the latest from Cowboy Camp? Find out right here, Friday mornings at 7.30 and 9.30 with the manager and editor-in-chief of Blogging the Boys, RJ Ochoa. Here's Robin Rudy. Or Robin Pledger, whatever the case may be. It's r in the morning, 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. And right now we are joined by our main man, our Oxnard cohort, R.J. Ochoa of Blogging the Boys, Twitter God, Thread God, great face for Instagram. It's just a social media giant. What's up, R.J.? Not a God on Instagram. Seems like I have some work to do. Yeah, you got some work to do. But you have a great face. You left out his most important thing. Which one? He is the original co-host of the Saturday Morning Hangover. Oh, man, get out of here. Is he? That's right. Was he? Um, in fact, uh, my dad came up with the name for that show. He did. So wow. If it, yeah, if it weren't for me, it might have been called Breakfast Tacos or something <laughs> like that. So uh, y'all are welcome. Hey, so we just got off the phone with Coach Mike McCarthy, as we do every Friday. And um, he's, in, he's in a good place, but you, the thing that I took away from him is the road thing is on his mind. He brought up getting a win on the road quite a few times, regardless of the opponent. It's just one of those things like, you know, while sometimes a shooter just needs to see one go in on the basketball court, he's big. Even He doesn't give a damn. It's the Panthers, RJ. He wants to see his team, and he wants his team to get a road win. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it is, right? You know, if a shooter's struggling, it's like, yeah. hey, just go make a layup. Right. Like, no, nobody cares. Like, <laughs> right. kiss it off the glass. Like, right. It, it, it still counts, like, whatever. Uh, or make it a catch. Two hands counts the same as one. Um, you know, it's really cool that the Cowboys have developed this strong home field advantage. That is, if you're under or if you're not aware, um, that is a, a common trait of Mike McCarthy teams uh, to kind of defend home turf uh, like that. He did it with the Green Bay Packers. And so uh, that's great, but that's only half of the games. And actually, in today's NFL, it, in some years like this one, it's less than half. The Cowboys have nine road games and eight home games. So even if you went undefeated at home, if you couldn't get business taken care of on the road, uh, that wouldn't work out too well for you. So I do think it's a great opportunity in that it's the Panthers. Um, it's an opportunity to just kind of, you know, start the lawnmower and, uh, and let it prime. Speak, uh, <laughs> because the Cowboys, um, they're not on the road again for about a month. I don't know if wow. you recognize that they have three home games in a row coming up after this one. RJ Ochoa blogging the boys. RJ, um, the other thing I got to talk about, man, the deep dive into the advanced analytics that you guys did on the Cowboys offense. And the, this, the thing about it, I didn't go here with McCarthy today because I've gone here with him like two, three weeks, and at some point it gets old. It's like his confidence in Dak, his confidence in Dak. But we could just start with the early down pass rate. 
the jump that they've made in the early down pass rate. Now, the fact that he's passing more on the early downs, I don't know if that's more confidence in Dak or is that because the running game has gone, has taken a couple of steps up in the past couple of weeks. What do you, what do you put it to? More confidence in Dak or the running game's finally kind of getting going? I think it's both. I'd also add that it's always nice as well to, to get out to an early league because that allows the Cowboys to play their style of football. Um, but, I mean, you know, the reality is the, uh, the thing most offensive play callers are most terrified of is second and ten. Um, and the reason <laughs> you see, you know, people run so often on second and ten is because they're third and ten. On second and ten, people figure, hey, let's just run the ball, let's pick up three yards and let's get to third and manageable because third right. and 10 is, is almost impossible. Um, and so if you throw on first down, odds are, you know, you, you kind of wither away, you know, the opportunity to move the chains right away. Um, and so I do think that, that obviously confidence in Dak is, is at the highest it's probably ever been for Mike McCarthy. And so it makes sense to kind of lean into that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I do subscribe to the idea that the run game faltering or withering away um, has to be – you know, relevant. and I'm in, a, in one respect, I mean, I, I'm obviously it's a bummer, but I'm happy to see that. The Cowboys forced the Zeke Elliott issue last year, um, despite the fact that it wasn't necessarily working. And it seems this year they're more willing to adapt to the circumstances. RJ Ochoa, Ochoa blogging the boys, joining us right now on R&R in the morning. Follow him on Twitter at RJ Ochoa. RJ, what do you see in this offense that is making it click the way it is? Because it's more than just the teams that they're playing. They're starting to get more pieces involved, it seemed. It started with just getting C.D. Lamb involved against the Chargers, but it has evolved since to where you're starting to see Brandon Cooks get involved more now, and Rico Dowdle's getting involved more Ferguson. now, and Jack Ferguson's getting involved, and all those weapons that they, they continually talk about. And it's hard to get everybody involved because we have so many great weapons. It seems like they're finding a way to finally do that. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I think it's as simple as just a decision. And um, you know, last week I was a little bit concerned. Um, that the Cowboys were going to go into the Giants game saying, hey, we're probably going to kick the crap out of them. Um, you know, this is kind of a glorified third traditional preseason game. Let's work on stuff, right? This is, right, right, know, this right, is, yeah. This is, this is kind of a let's, <laughs> right. let's practice a little bit. Um, and I, I wouldn't accuse them of that, but, you know, they did kind of get a little too cute very early on offensively before they just kind of took what was right in front of them. Um, and so – do I believe that the Cowboys, you know, dominated Brandon Cooks and targets because it was an easier game to do so than previous opportunities? A little bit. I mean, I, I think that – and because you do have to get that involved. That kind of goes back to the very first thing we talked about, like seeing, you know, seeing the first one go in the basket. And, I mean, Brandon Cooks had more receiving yards last week than he did in every single game he had played for the Cowboys combined up to that point. Um, so, Damn. I mean, I would, imagine, I would imagine Brandon Cooks is walking a little bit tall this week, and you kind of need that for this stretch. I mean, you know, the, the, I once asked Dan Lee um, when I was at AT&T Stadium on behalf of this wonderful radio station, um, I noticed that he would, on extra point attempts, kick them from opposite hash marks sometimes, indoors. Like, it wasn't an adjustment for wind or anything like that. And so I thought to myself, I was like, this dude has to just be, like, practicing, like, the angles. And so I was like, hey, like, 
not in that arrogant way, but are you are you practicing? And he was he was really like all shucks. He's like, well, you know, you don't you know you you don't want to ever be too confident, but you always want to be prepared because you never know what opportunity is going to unfold in front of you naturally. And I think this was a little bit of all of that. Now, how much does C.D. Lamb finally getting involved help to open things up for everybody else? The fact that he's commanding probably more attention with the volume of targets and and the record pace that he's on with targets, yards, and everything that's being run kind of... The offense is basically being run through C.D. Lamb, it feels like. Yeah, I mean, he is the catalyst right now. He's the straw that stirs the drink. Um, and I think that some people, you know, for years, Cowboys fans, obviously dating back to the Amari Cooper days, the peak of them, Cowboys fans would scream and say, why don't you use him the way the Packers use Devontae Adams, the way the Rams use Cooper Cup? Like, just this dude should be getting 14 targets a game. Again, at the time, talking about Amari Cooper. Um, and I think that CD has enough just God-given talent to, to maybe be better than Amari Cooper at his peak. And that's not mm. a slide against Amari, obviously. Um, and so, you know, I think people misconstrue statements like that. Say, well, if you're just going to throw it at CD, like, that's only your offense. No, like, that, that can be what breaks everything open. And I think we're seeing that. I mean, Last week was, you know, this incredible day where everybody ate and everybody got a big scoop. I mean, CD, Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, not only did they each have big days, each touchdowns, they each had a reception of at least 30 yards. I mean, like, CD, you know, he takes the point. I don't want to say takes the top <laughs> off of the defense, but, I mean, he, pu- he pushes everybody back and he opens up all that underneath because he's not just a threat in any kind of single traditional way. He can work the entire field as a runner. And so that is definitely the first domino that opens up all the opportunities for Brandon Cooks, for Michael Gallup. Hell, Jalen Brooks caught four passes last mm-hmm. week. I mean, it was an opportunity for everybody. You know, when game by game, we're not, the, we're not on the team. They got to take it game by game. Let's fast forward to December. Let's talk about the defense a little bit, RJ. Going into December to the thick of the schedule, do you feel like they're going to miss LVE more or will they miss Diggs more? Because up to this point, we really, and I, I even asked Coach Mike McCarthy about this, RJ. I, with my naked eye, they really haven't missed a beat. But going forward, when you get into the thick of the schedule, who do you feel like they're going to miss more? The late Vanderash news is really devastating. Right. It's, it's always it's always difficult to say like, oh, somebody like that won't be missed, just because he also offers an incredible amount of leadership. Um, but they have they've been able to replace his on field production easier, I think, so far with Marquis Bell. He's playing so well. Um, he so, is. Every time I look um, up, he's not, he's there. I'm like, damn, there's 14 again. Every time I look up, he's literally in on the play in some way, shape, or form. He's a beast. And some of it is is the, the new, modern NFL defense. I mean, the dude's a safety. Like, I mean, that's what he's faster than your kind of traditional linebacker. Um, I, I think that they will really miss Trayvon Diggs. I mean, you mentioned looking ahead. Um, they've got to play the Seahawks again, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. That sucks. They've got to play the Eagles again. Obviously, they have some talented wide receivers. I know that they had success against them individually. They've got to play the Miami Dolphins. Um, I love Stephon Gilmore, uh, but he cannot run with Tyreek Hill. Well, no one can, can, RJ. Yeah, okay. In fairness to Gilmore, no one can. Okay. And Jalen Waddle. I mean, (laughs) that's the thing. And they're getting A-Chain back. 
Right. Trayvon Diggs stands a better chance. It's really just kind of my point in that sense. And so um, speed kills in the NFL and um, and not having Trayvon Diggs really kind of opened some opportunities that we wouldn't like. We got to be first takeish about this. Uh-oh. And we've, we've been doing this with C.J. Stroud. It's been an ongoing argument between the morning show and after the show. I know. Show. I've, seen, I've seen the TikToks. I know. Yeah. So... <laughs> So can can I and I me personally I want to throw Dak's hat into the ring because again be. because nobody's run away with it he's uh, he's trending upward nobody's been better in the last three weeks let's let's go first take and put Dak in the MVP conversation right now mm-hmm. um, I agree with you um, at the very least I think that the odds the literal odds that he has are, are really friendly for a better like if you're into that kind of thing. If you're in a state where it's legal, it's totally worth throwing 10 bucks. He's plus 3,500 right now to win mm. MVP. And I mean, it, I have this conversation with people every year. You have to recognize the type of board this is. It generally goes to the best quarterback on the best team. Um, but, but also a guy that probably hasn't won it before or hasn't won it in a while or has a newer sort of story. Uh, Jalen Hurts is currently the odds-on favor right now. Jalen Hurts is fantastic, he's, but I mean his his story is he's really not the fresh, MVP right, right now. Like, he's not. I recognize that, but he's. I mentioned Dak is plus thirty five hundred. Jalen Hurts is plus two eighty. I mean, like think about the disparity in those odds right there. It's um, <laughs> crazy, and, and so I, it is crazy. I mean, and and some of it is you have to win at the right time, and you have to get hot. And Dak is obviously getting hot right now. You mentioned it, that the door of opportunity is opening. If you, again, if you want to throw five jelly beans at, at any name, Dak mm-hmm. is one that makes sense. Who knows what's going to happen with Joe Burrow, unfortunately, after the injury last yeah. night. I mean, you know, and, and as great as Patrick Mahomes is, because people will always come back to, like, he's not Mahomes. It's so difficult to win the MVP two years in a row. It's so difficult to win a third MVP. And so the reality is just from the story of it all, Mahomes isn't going to win this thing. And so it, it could totally – if the Cowboys wind up as, as the NFC East winner, the quarterback of the team that is having this incredible statistical season makes total sense to be MVP. It is a narrative-based award in many senses. And it's even harder to campaign for Patrick Mahomes to win an MVP when he has a lesser year than the year before when he won it. It's just – it's really hard for voters to look past those things. And I look at Dak Prescott and the fact that – if he continues to play the way he's playing through that December gauntlet of a schedule with the media hype machine that the Dallas Cowboys are in and of themselves, he's going to be vaulted to the front of the conversation because of that. Yeah, and I mean, I I know, again, I mentioned I've seen the talks. um, I know people want to put C.J. Stroud's name in there. The Uh reality, too, of the – well, just, again, if you've paid attention to the NFL, the way they handle these awards – is they'll totally give C.J. Stroud offensive rookie of the year. They'll for say, sure. They, they'll consider they'll consider that as like your <laughs> that's it. Like your time's coming. Like you will never see you know somebody kind of clean sweep multiple awards. And the most prominent example of that is there's an award called MVP that generally goes to a quarterback, and then there is literally an award called offensive player of the year that does not go to that same quarterback. Consider that that rookie year. He won Offensive Rookie of the Year, but Zeke Elliott won Offensive Player of the Year, despite the fact that he was also a rookie. So, you know, they, they sometimes tend to kind of put players in one box when it comes to these awards. And so if you're, if you're betting on it, if you're being smart, 
the odds are, are strong that Stroud is going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Not MVP, even though he's playing at an incredible level. It, it, you mentioned that. Is that an issue with the way voting is done by these voters who are older heads? That uh, you know, we gotta, can't. What is the old hate for? Why are you talking about old people? Leave old people because alone. we d- literally had I'm John McClain. Traditional. traditional. That's I like traditional okay. better. Let's say traditional. Okay. <laughs> the traditionally older pl- people that vote for this award. <laughs> but it's that mindset of rookies can't win this award because they're rookies. You know, Bill O'Brien had this thing where rookies suck, they can't play until they're veterans and know better. Like, so basically he's saying like well, he's mad because nobody wants to give CJ the award. Well, no, no, no. It, it, it's it's everything. What, it's the Dak thing that he talked about earlier when Zeke Elliott was obviously yeah. should have been the offensive rookie of the year as well. Right. Despite it, 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 it's it's the way that they vote on these things is it is it a problem with the with the thinking and the voting is We've always done it this way, so it has to continue to be this way. Tradition. I think so. I mean, I'm, I'm not I a agree. voter, obviously. And so um, I think that sometimes it's a matter of believing, you know, in paying your dues maybe when it comes to Stroud and, and also believing in organization. I mean, like, again, like, you know, also believing in, in content. I mean, if, if somebody doubles up on an award, that's one less person that you can market as that award winner the following season, right? Um, and so you, then you make one player a little bit bigger in some respects. It's dumb. I mean, it's, I mean again, think of last year Mahomes won. Like, we can come up with an example literally every year. Last year Mahomes mm-hmm. won MVP, but, I mean, Justin Jefferson won Offensive Player of the Year. Patrick Mahomes is an offensive player. Jalen Hurts finished second in MVP voting last year. Why did he not win Offensive Player of the Year? It's a silly, you know, little thing, but – Again, if you're in the business of predicting the awards, you have to factor that in. I'm not advocating that it's fair, that it's right, that it's logical, but it's just the way it goes. So you have to understand that if you want to pretend, you know, this, that, or the other, because if you're doing anything else, you're just wasting your time and breath. I, if, and if, I, if I'm misquoting you, tell me, did you, do you feel like this is Dak's best season thus far? He's playing the best football he's played in his career? right now did i hear you say that yeah. did i see you tweet that or something along those lines because it's, if, if, it's among it's among the best okay because 2019 say, and 2021 were really really good seasons for Dak. so I, I i mean i don't want us to be prisoner of the moment don't get me wrong i agree like the number said you can look in black and white and see, see the stats he is playing phenomenally but 2019 almost five grand 30 touch 11 to ints 2021 over 4,000 again, 37 touch, 10 TDs. Like, I don't want to get trapped in the moment because those were two great seasons for Dak as well. Um, you know, I mean, it's been – some people want to call it three games, four games, depending on how you look at right. things right now. Obviously, they lost to the Eagles, too. That kind of, like, hinders it. Um, the first three games of 2019 were incredible for Dak. The Cowboys beat the New York Giants, the Washington team, and the Miami Dolphins. And Dak literally didn't have an incompletion in the third quarter in those three games. And it was, it was among, it was a, an incredible peak. And um, I don't know that I feel like this is that, but, um, you know, like, like what, what we used to say a lot, and I remember I wrote an article a long time ago for ESPNSA.com, um, 2014 Tony Romo may not have been the like most physically gifted version of Romo or the best version, mm-hmm. but it was the version of Romo that was operating at the highest IQ level that he ever had. And that made him the most dangerous. And, I would say I like this, this is the, the most this this is the most 
you know, with authority that Dak Prescott has ever played um, because that's what it is. He, he may not finish with 5,000 yards or close to it or whatever the case may be. But, I mean, holy crap, when he is out there, he will run you over. And I think some of, you know, what has helped actually has been the willingness to run the ball again. And not that Dak is Lamar Jackson out here, but just the, the teeny little moments of keeping defenses honest, the little six-yard game yeah. here, the first down here. I mean, like, that is that that has such a small but significant effect on the overall operation. So this is the this is maybe the best overall package of Dak Prescott that we've seen. I like that because I I felt that way with LeBron's second stint in Cleveland. I feel like the athleticism and the mental game combined and made one huge I think those are the best years of his career. Uh, moving back because I don't think we're gonna get to talk to you next Friday. I'm worried about the commanders, RJ. I like what Eric Bieniemy is doing with Sam Howe. And I'm not, I'm not like sitting here super, yeah, I'm not sitting here super confident as a lot of people are about that game on Thanksgiving plus the short turnaround. Uh, we do a roundtable on our YouTube and Twitch channels every Tuesday. And this week we, we talked about whether or not the Panthers are a trap game for the Cowboys. And most of our staff agreed that it's not, but that the Commanders game is. Like if there's a trap game lurking for the yeah. Cowboys, it's that. It's on Thanksgiving Day. I mean, if there is ever a time where people do show up to beat the Dallas Cowboys and blah, 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 it's on Thanksgiving with 100 million people watching, obviously, and the halftime show and all this stuff. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, people think it's a big deal that he's leading the NFL in passing yards. It's, it makes me sad that, that in, in our current modern day, that with all the information available at our fingertips, that people are like, well, he's leading the NFL in passing yards. He must be amazing. Um, he, he has played really well. And the commanders <laughs> have given the Cowboys some, some sticky fits, you know, yeah, in recent sure. history. Um, and, and you simply cannot overlook this game. I mean, if you, you know, a lot of people, um, and you mentioned we probably won't talk next Friday, a lot of people, if I asked each of you, what is the biggest game remaining on the schedule for the Cowboys? You would both probably say the Eagles game. Yeah, I would. I, I would disagree right now. That, that answer might be true if the Eagles slip up once or twice before them, they obviously got to play the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Niners. Because if they don't, I mean, then Dallas can win that game and and Philly can still completely control their destiny in the NFC East. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation Uh, right now. And and so... I'm cheating. It's week 13. It's week 13. I cheated because I saw your thread. But go ahead. I'm cheating. Yeah. What game is that? So that's the Seahawks game on Thursday Night Football. The reality of the situation right now is it's more likely in our, in our current moment that Dallas is going to be a wild card team in the division win. And if they get help and can win the division, great. We'll obviously take that. But um, because that is the case, if you're going to be a wild card, you want to be that top wild card because you want to go play the winner of the crummy NFC South, the way the Cowboys did last year. And if the Cowboys lose to the Seahawks, it will set them back significantly and make it very difficult to catch or overlap the Seahawks with regards to the remaining time on the regular season. And, and they don't have a tiebreaker over one of the wild card contenders right now because Seattle still has to play San Francisco twice. And I don't believe that they'll beat them. But if you do, then San Francisco becomes a wild card contender. And they have the tiebreaker over the Cowboys, obviously, by beating them head to head. So this is a real, again, with regards Great to point. what is most likely right now, that Seahawks game might wind up being the most significant one for the Cowboys in the overall net stretch. I love that take. I love that take. When you really break that down, go ahead, play. I mean, sure, but I look as I I say Philadelphia only because I look at what the Eagles have. The Eagles 
schedule this next three weeks, four weeks. It's tough. It's what the oh, Cowboys is going to be in December. But what if they what if they win them? That's the thing. Like, sure, they win those games. They render. They give, and and that's what the loss in Philadelphia, unfortunately, did. Is it gave them all that room for error? Now, but on Monday, here, we, we could be talking about a completely different thing if they drop their game to the but, Chiefs at the end of Monday night. Now, all of a sudden, that game against the Eagles is for the division. It's still not. You still need one more, and that's the thing, like, because of the way everything can shake out, because assuming they beat the Cardinals, because they'll come down to common games record, and they play the Cardinals in the mm. penultimate week of the regular season. So if you, if you want full, total, outright control, you need them to drop, too. I don't think any of us think they're losing to the Bills. I don't think any of us are afraid of the Bills right now. They might lose to the Niners the week before they play the Cowboys. But to your point, Pledge, from today, we could be talking about a Cowboys team that has eight wins and an Eagles team that still only has eight wins if they do lose on Monday Night Football mm-hmm. in Kansas City. And I, the, the other thing I love about it, when you get the schedule initially, you see Buffalo and Miami in December, you say, oh, wow. But right now, Miami hasn't beaten anybody that can breathe, and we don't even know who the hell Buffalo is. They're spending more time worried about what Trayvon Diggs is tweeting than their own game. So, again, December, as the season has shaken out, RJ, isn't as scary as it was when we saw it in August or July. When I don't we got know. That schedule. Detroit game looks a lot scarier than I thought it was going to be. Detroit can't stop a nosebleed either. Like, that's everything we're I not all- talking about with Detroit. Like, they, they're winning these games, but they're winning these games by giving up 35, 38 points. Go ahead, RJ. On that, no- on that note, we'll know more when I speak to you all again in two weeks. Obviously, okay. But that, Det- that Detroit game could be a massive fork in the road for the playoff seedings in the NFC. Because if Philly doesn't trip up, and even if they beat Dallas before then, obviously, then the Cowboys could clinch the one seat for the Eagles by beating the Lions. Like, there's a world where that's possible. Or, obviously, wow. if Dallas picks up, picks up help, if Philly stumbles, and the Cowboys beat them at AT&T Stadium, the Cowboys could take the lead themselves for the one seed if they beat the Lions at home. I mean, like, that game... Right now, I think the Seahawks, without the, the Eagles losing any games, the Seahawks team holds the most significance for the Cowboys. Obviously, if, this, if the Eagles stumble and we're all rooting for that, then the Eagles game becomes the most significant thing you could possibly imagine. But the true spider web of implications will be that Lions game based on what happened. In Week 13, I wrote an article about this and I, uh, a YouTube video about this. There are seven playoff teams, obviously, in the NFC. In Week 13, the Vikings have a bye. They're the seventh seed right now. But the other six teams in Week 13 literally all play one another. The Lions play the Saints, the Cowboys play the Seahawks, and the Eagles play the 49ers. So those three games are going to dictate, you know, the effective playoff order. There's still obviously time in the regular season beyond that, but it is going to be difficult for the three losers of that game to kind of make up enough ground to catch what they lost. That is R.J. Ochoa blogging. The boys' camouflage is his color. Sir, I wish you and your beautiful family a happy Thanksgiving, and we look forward to talking to you in a couple of weeks. And go Robert Acuna Matata as your unanimous MVP. Um, NL. Yeah, uh, happy Thanksgiving. 